Hi everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about studying law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. Welcome back to the Student Lawyer Podcast. Today we have Matthew Allen on the show. Matthew is a graduate of Aberystwyth University of Wales. He completed the GDL at BPP London and has completed not just one, but two masters. Matthew has also secured and completed a training contract as a solicitor in London and is now a commercial litigation solicitor at Sherrard Solicitors. Matthew is also the Junior Vice President of the Westminster and Holborn Law Society, and we feel very lucky to have him here today. So thanks, Matthew, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks. I'm going to go straight in uh, with my first question, which is, what was the reason you chose to study politics at university rather than, well, law? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, I chose to study politics because I I just found it a bit interesting. Uh, It's a fairly boring answer. Uh, But at the time, I I didn't actually want to be a lawyer. I I didn't like the idea of being a a sort of corporate city lawyer. That idea sounded uh, sounded kind of boring to me. Uh So I thought instead I'd study international relations. And uh, that, that sort of kept me kept me interested for for three years but while I was doing that I found I was drawn to the international law side of things and that got me thinking maybe maybe law isn't all bad yeah no it's um definitely an exciting career Mm -hmm. so um so what were the why why did you decide to pursue a career in law what was the what was the main reason well uh as I was saying the the sort of the the public international law stuff that I was studying during my undergrad yeah. really really sort of caught my interest uh, so I ended up doing a master's in human rights and international law in London and it was during that time that I thought well how do I actually get a career in something like this and it seemed that everyone was some form of lawyer barrister solicitor something something along those lines mm-hmm. and I thought well if I'm going to do this I'm probably going to have to study law at some point so it was off the back of doing a master's in sort of a fairly broad brush subject as yeah. human rights um, that I ended up thinking actually the GDL probably is a sensible next step yeah I um I'm doing con and ad at the moment one, right. of, my, one of my first year modules and- oh that was my favorite <laughs> Good. <laughs> so you and I can have a long talk after this. Absolutely. And you can help me out. I think I've still got my notes. I can lend them to you. Oh my God, fantastic. Thank you. We've been pushing this podcast to number one. Um, <laughs> no, it is something that I actually quite struggle with. Um, the language is just, just, just out of this world to me. It is another language to me. It, it, yeah, it's sometimes uh, it, the way things are written, it, it's not always so clear. Did, yeah. did you, um, I suppose you, you did a master's in uh, a human rights subject. So I suppose the legal way of thinking might have been uh, a bit more familiar to you. But did you did you struggle with the GTL? Because it's quite absolutely intense, isn't it? yes. No, I I did very badly at the GDL. I'm not ashamed to say uh, I was doing the GDL part time uh, whilst working as a paralegal, oh, wow. right. and uh, that seemed like a good idea at the time because on the one hand you're you're learning practical things, yeah, uh, and you're you're getting an idea of sort of how how the sort of 
structure of the courts and what the day-to-day sort of workings of, of law is all about. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, trying to cram for exams that might run Monday, Wednesday, Friday whilst you're working is uh, it's a tricky balancing act. Uh, I mean, it's it's it wasn't a fun period of time, to be honest, because you, you end up giving up a lot of your your weekends and free time but if you're well I I wanted to do it yeah. and uh and it sort of helps that you you end up funding it yourself so if you're paying for something you kind of want to get the most out of it Absolutely. as well uh, so that that kept me focused and that was that was sort of part of the balancing act yeah sticking to it yeah i mean i'm doing my degree part-time whilst working full-time and you have my sympathy yeah i mean because i know that i've got such little time to study I, I make sure I do it and I think that when I don't know when you're a little bit younger and you've, you're doing it full time think you might let things slip a little bit because you think oh I've got loads of time but uh, yeah I, I can see I know where you're coming from <laughs> so what advice would you give to people that are thinking about enrolling um, you know to do a GDL part time or full time um well, well, I guess the first thing is to think about whether or not it's even going to be required when the SQE comes oh, in. Yeah. So the solicitor qualifying exam yeah. is, is sort of waiting in the wings at the minute. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. it, and it sort of looks to be overhauling the entire way of studying law in, in England and Wales. Uh, so, I mean, the first thing is to, to double check that it's it's something that's... That's a good point. That, that's going to be worth you doing. Uh, as things stand... I think it's it's a helpful course to do, but again, it is pretty intense. So if you're even if you're doing it full time, it's obviously uh, pretty heavy going, mm. and you're trying to trying to cram three years worth of studying into into you know one academic year. Yeah, you're uh, you're going to have your hands full. So I think going in with your eyes open, knowing that it's probably going to be not that fun. Uh, <laughs> it's probably class. probably helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave your weekends free. <laughs> So what was your experience as a paralegal like? Um, would you recommend part-time law students look to secure a paralegal role, maybe in the summer holidays or part-time? I don't know if that's possible, but if, if so, what, what year do you think they should start looking to, to get some paralegal work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think getting more practical experience uh, is, is always, it's always going to be helpful. Yeah. Um, if you're able to get something over the summer term if you're you're studying full time then then yeah i think that would be a great a great way to get some real cold face experience but uh, but but obviously if you're if you're working full time and studying part time as i did yeah. uh, it does get hectic so you you get pretty pretty busy and uh, you get, you come up with good time management skills if nothing else but uh, but yeah i think people looking to get that extra bit of experience Definitely a bit of a, a paralegal stint would be, you know, something something to look at. Plus it plus it helps yeah. fund your studies as well. Yeah. Did you find it difficult to get a paralegal role? Because I mean, thinking about it, so you would have come from doing politics yeah. to doing your masters, and then you would have been studying the GDL. Was it difficult to actually get a paralegal role without the LPC, without having done a law degree? Well, I was in a bit of a unique position because I'd obviously I'd done a masters, yeah. but I hadn't done any sort of formal mm-hmm. legal studies mm-hmm. so I hadn't done, done the GDL or, or any sort of law studies uh, I'd taken law modules before yeah. and I could sort of sell that oh, that's uh, right. yeah. but uh, but I think the the way that I was able to get my first paralegal job was sort of selling my enthusiasm for <laughs> law talking about the fact that I was obviously doing the GDL yeah. and yeah. I had uh, I had an interest in seeing it all the way through I think that uh, 
that definitely helped me in when I was applying for training contracts, uh, sort of, uh, sorry, paralegal jobs. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that was. I think that just goes to show, like, as long as you've got the enthusiasm, enthusiasm, and um, you know the the real want to do it, you you do get given that opportunity. Yeah, and I and I mean, there's there's no doubt that competition is pretty fierce mm. for a lot of these paralegal jobs now, and I know lots of people who have uh, sort of good academics, master's degrees, uh-huh. or or not, and uh, have finished the GDL and the LPC. And they still struggle to get to get paralegal jobs just because there's so many people going for yeah, it. So, so I mean, it's a bit of the luck of the draw, I think. Um, but if you're targeting the right sort of firms uh, that you can sort of really highlight your strengths and what you can bring to that particular area of law or that particular firm, then I think you're you're going to be in in good stead. So if you're a bit older and you have a little bit more experience in in something else, try and leverage that. Try yeah. and try and make it out that uh, you know your other experiences are relevant, and you not having the LPC, for example, isn't necessarily going to be a, an obstacle for you doing a day to day paralegal job where yeah. you're going to be learning on on the go. Yeah, I mean, for those people that are a little bit older and haven't come out of you know, university and gone straight into a vacation scheme and training contract, do you think it's realistic for somebody to wake up one day and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go do the GDL and then I'm going to become a solicitor? <laughs> like, what advice would you give to somebody that is that little bit older? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm probably evidence that uh, that that can happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I mean, it's it's definitely not unachievable, but it's probably best if people don't think it's going to be particularly straightforward either. Um, so my, my sort of career has taken a lot of sort of unexpected turns and I've ended up somewhere where I'm, where I'm pretty happy. Uh, but it was not without a lot of unexpected obstacles coming up. I mean, being a little bit older doesn't, doesn't necessarily affect your, your chances of, of getting a training contract. But I think the important thing is to try and focus on the firms that you can, Mm -hmm. you can really make the most of your previous experience at. Yeah. Because a lot of people will like the fact that you're a bit more mature, that you're able to sort of walk into a a meeting room and and have meetings with, with older clients. Um, and I mean, it seems silly to say, but that's, that is something that, you know, firms are going to, going to maybe think about if you're, able to say, well, in my old job, in a different career, I, you know, I managed, I managed a team or I, you know, ran projects, I had time management skills and these sorts of things, all very transferable stuff. Absolutely. And you can, you can really sort of say, well, that's, that's what I can bring the sort of the maturity and a a little bit of a broader experience. So, um, what, what were the main reasons that you decided to, to become a commercial lawyer um, as opposed to, say, you studied human rights before? So, yeah, I mean, I guess what's what's your main reason for commercial law? <laughs> Paying <Okay>. my rent. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Amazing. This is, this is my, my number one concern. <laughs> we keep it real. <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting for someone to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 problem, the problem that I had was when I, when I finished... Uh, my finished my master's. Uh, I th- I thought I'll be I'll be able to start looking for uh, a sort of whether it's paralegal position or or something similar. I was looking at sort of various advocacy and think tank related positions as well. 
uh, where I thought I could put my sort of international relations background mm. to, to, to play as well. Um, and it was really hard. <laughs> I, I struggled to get jobs in that field. It's obviously a very, uh, sort of a sexy sounding area. Everyone wants to be a human rights lawyer. Uh, and then you think about, well, what's the, what's the day to day job? What does a human rights lawyer do? And the, the reality is you can end up doing all sorts of things that have a bearing on, on sort of advancing the cause of human rights and, yeah. and advocating in different ways. So, so having, having said all of that, I struggled to get a, get a position in, in those sorts of organizations. So I maintained my interest by, by joining uh, various societies. So I joined the Human Rights Lawyers Association. Uh, I attended seminars uh, at my former university and sort of looked out for public lectures and things like that because I'm a bit of a legal geek. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how I was able to think, well, I've still, you know, keep my fingers in those pies. Yeah. But at the same time, where am I able to actually get a job and get some experience? And I've always enjoyed the litigation side of things mm-hmm. and commercial litigation. So like a very sort of... Uh, very natural progression for me from from what I had been studying. There's a lot of international elements to it, yeah. uh, particularly at the minute when you're dealing with cross-border stuff. It's all a very, very live topic at the minute. A lot of uncertainty around it. So you've got to, again, maintain your, uh, I guess, commercial and legal awareness about yeah. what's what's happening more broadly so you can advise your clients. And so that was tying in a lot of my other interests. And I thought, hey, this isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so I could be that, a sellout. That has a lot of main- <laughs> political uh looking at political um aspects as well i suppose if you've got a lot of different countries involved um yeah that sounds like a a good natural progression i think so yeah absolutely so what does the uh, what does the life of a commercial solicitor actually look like I think that probably varies greatly on where you end up working, what sort of firm uh-huh. and, and how sort of specialist you are as things go. At the minute, uh, so I'm, I'm just over one year qualified now. Yeah. And, uh, my day to day job changes regularly depending on what lands on my desk. Uh, so I can be doing anything from, uh, sort of commercial debt recovery or cross border debt recovery or, uh, something, something more mundane like that. That's definitely not at the sort of the sexier end of the legal spectrum. Uh, but you know, it, it, uh, it's something that companies need. You, you also end up looking at stuff that has international elements, uh, a lot of cross boundary disputes between companies. Uh, lots of, lots of, uh, well, for example, I, last week I was working, uh, on getting a, uh, mini oligarch as, as we've, we've, uh, we've referred to, to this chap and the team, uh, off of an international list of sanctions. And that wow. sounded, oh, very exciting. But the reality, <laughs> but, but at the same time, my, my other matters, my, my other matters are, are dealing with, uh, you know, local commercial debts between right. two, two companies who haven't paid for their pita breads or something like that. Oh, okay. And, and so it's a, it's a real broad spectrum of stuff. Keeps it interesting though. I, it, it does. Um, and, and I mean, obviously it depends on what your what your specialism is uh, so for example I am doing commercial property litigation I'm doing some insolvency litigation uh, I'm doing broad brush breach of contract uh, litigation and injunctions uh, so I mean there is a very broad caseload to be I dealing imagine with imagine a lot comes up in, in those yeah absolutely keeps it interesting though <laughs> so what personality traits do you think a commercial 
um, lawyer should possess? That is it. If that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess you need, uh, need a sense of humor to deal with it. some of the clients that you, you have to come across. Yeah. Um, be, being open to, to new challenges, I think, is probably the main, wow. yeah. the main benefit that's going to going to help you I think when you're when you're coming into a new new team a new department uh, a new sort of area of law where maybe you've only done a seat in it before or uh-huh. you've only studied it a little bit or something like that I think being being open-minded and being willing to get stuck in learning new stuff is definitely gonna gonna help uh, advance your uh, credibility in the team and your legal knowledge and and how you can sort of build on that uh, is is really sort of it's down to you. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, all, all of those all of those things being being open minded, I think, yeah, is probably having best. a thirst for knowledge. Is Absolutely critical. Uh, so, what are your favorite ways to stay commercially aware? Do you just stick to like a couple of news stories to follow, or do you have a broader interest? Um, I I like to go to sort of things in person. Yeah. Uh, so if there's seminars, there's events, there's things like that, I, I find that really helpful. Yeah. Because yeah. you go and you'll have your 45-minute hour-long seminar yeah. on whatever topic it may be. Yeah. And then you finish off with, with some drinks and snacks and having a chat with people. Yeah. And you that's that's really where you get the most value out of, out of picking up what's going on mm. in uh, the profession and in that particular area of law because you'll have you'll have the official line of the seminar yeah and then you'll have well this is what's really going on yeah this is this is what I was dealing with last week this is what's coming up uh, so you meet some really interesting people that yeah, way. yeah you do and I think that uh, that is a helpful starting point um, basically going going to events joining joining committees that you're interested in yeah. uh, advancing your your own sort of interest through things that are both fun and social. Uh, that's how I. That's how I think is probably a, a good way to go about it. I think that's really good advice, actually. Yeah, it because is. Because then you you get to see what the actual news story is, but then being commercially aware is is knowing how that applies to businesses. So Absolutely. If you, if you speak to people in the industry and they say, "Oh, I'm not looking forward to the new eyeball rates or whatever yeah, because yeah. this is going to happen and yeah, I've absolutely. got to do this and this." Yeah was going to happen so I think actually knowing how that affects someone on the ground rather than just reading the Financial Times and thinking oh okay this is happening um, is definitely good good advice yeah absolutely and I mean at the minute in London in particular there's you know whatever your particular niche is whether that's law or otherwise Mm -hmm. you're going to be able to find an event to go to you're going to find a seminar you're going to find a a committee or some sort of uh, you know group that you can at least get on a mailing list and, and go and find people that are yeah. as interested in that particular thing as you are. And that's that's great as well because you build a bit of a sense of community and it, you can sort of bounce ideas off of off of other people mm-hmm. about work or just about, you know, your career. Um, so I, I would wholeheartedly recommend that. I suppose with my uh, Westminster and Holborn hat on, I should say uh, they do a lot of great events. They've oh, got a really nice, active yeah. JLD uh, and there's there's lots of lots of events to, to go to through that we'll put a link to that in the show notes absolutely thank you there is now <laughs> so how do you cope with stressful situations 
I'm assuming there are stressful situations oh, in commercial law. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, again most of the most of the stress comes from from trying to manage cranky clients. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, you can you can normally keep them on side. Uh, the how to deal with that, I think, is probably being being prepared and knowing what you're talking about. So if you're if you're on top of your diary and managing deadlines and, yeah. and dealing with all the other competing interests that you have going on at once mm-hmm. uh it helps decluttering the mind uh, and you can you can sort of focus and that takes a bit of the stress off but but similarly not to uh not, not to sort of go on too much yeah. about going to events and meeting people but if you have a problem you can go to these things you know all of a sudden you get a whole bunch of free advice on a okay. on a problem topic yeah from Smart. from people who are yeah. who are experts in that area exactly because like, you can bet that somebody else has gone through the same talking kind of thing. talking to people is definitely a, a good stress reliever for me even if it's just as a sounding board they might not be an expert in that area but if you say look i've got this problem and they'll say i know nothing about it and you go, okay fine but here it is anyways what do you, what do you think <laughs> You know, they, they might come at it from a slightly different angle. They may have experience in something similar that they, they hadn't realized might be applicable. And just, just talking, you're like, oh, okay, so it's, this is, this is possible. We can, we can get around this. And if it's not possible, you think, okay, well, how do I get this off my desk? Who else yeah. is going to, who's going to take this on instead? I think people in law are very open to helping people. Like, I know that when, Camilla, you first started kind of like applying for training contracts. Yeah that you were reaching out to people on LinkedIn yeah. and weren't really expecting any kind of I don't know, mentoring help. Yeah. You got a lot of response, didn't you? So people really are shocked. willing. Yeah. I, I was quite shocked because I'm only in my first year of uh, my law degree. So yeah. this kind of thing is all very new to me. So I was like, oh, they're not going to have time to help. But I think that they are definitely willing to... Um, people are always open to listening and just saying, oh, I know this person that might be able to help you or yeah. I can give you this advice or, you know, let's have a phone conversation or coffee. People in the legal industry are very, very helpful. Yeah, yeah for sure. Nice. And I mean, people love talking about themselves. Obviously, that's why I'm here. But... Uh, <laughs> If you if you ask someone what do you what do you do in your job what 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 is it like people want to talk I'll about my it. schedule yeah yeah exactly you know, when do you want to come for coffee let's go so I think yeah re- reaching reaching out to people I think is yeah LinkedIn dropping emails even yeah. even people that you think oh this is this is the kind of person that I want to be like mm. send them an email how do I be like you you know I I remember asking uh, one of my uh, professors about. His career is very, very interesting guy, lots of huge cases he'd worked on. And I thought, well, how do I get to be this guy? And I actually, I just went in and asked him. I said, you know, I would like to know how you got to where you are. Can we have a chat? Yeah. He said, yeah, let's have a coffee. Wow. And that was that. Great, and, and I mean, he's a very approachable guy. It was, it was not, okay, this is what you have to do. Step one, go to here, go to, you know, this place next. This is, you need all these cases under your belt before yeah. you do the third step. It was very broad brush. It was, well, you know, what do you, what do you want to do and how do you want to get there? Let's see if we can kind of, you know, just talk, talk around it. And that was, you know, maybe a half hour conversation about 10 years ago. And that's, you know, it stuck, stuck with me because, yeah. you know, he went out of his way gave me time that he didn't have to and gave me some, you know, personal, personal insights that I thought were really helpful. So, I mean, people want to, want to help if they can. So yeah. asking, asking for help, reaching out if you've got a problem, or even if you're interested in, you know, applying for training contracts or paralegal positions, a, a lot of, a lot of that sort of stuff can be helped along by, by reaching out to people. So I think that's a really good idea for sure. So, 
now that we've done with the stressful side of uh, commercial law, how do you maintain a healthy work-life balance? <laughs> Is there such a thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us all of your secrets. <laughs> yeah, keeping keeping a healthy work-life balance is is obviously very important it's very uh, very much at the forefront of the the profession generally these days right yeah. the, the sort of health and well-being sort of kick yeah uh, that is all very helpful because it's without a doubt a stressful profession but it can be less stressful if you talk to people about problems if you have the input from people that are a bit more experienced if you're able to engage with them in that way uh, that helps alleviate the stress balance comes from from knowing sometimes it's fine to just go home yeah i think it's easy to find yourself at your desk as the hours slip by on a friday yeah. i need to get this done I need to get this done if you take a step back from it and say well actually can it wait till monday will i be better if i come at it fresh if i have a bit of reflection time you never want to send like an angry letter straight away you write the angry letter then you wait an hour and then you come back to it and go oh, i don't know about that <laughs> so i think that that sort of maintaining a perspective yeah is is probably helpful again keeping the balance right being able to find time for for stuff that you want to do which again is tricky as i found when i was doing my my studies part-time because all of a sudden all of your time is law everything is law so you you work you work nine to five or, or whatever and then you go home and you you do some law and then at the weekend you might have a couple of hours where you're not thinking about law but you're always thinking about law. I know, and, yeah, and that's no, it gets on top of you. you so, know, so it's yeah, yeah, it's important to think about like well, how else can you yeah. can you deal with that? So so whether you're you're into sports, or you like to go for a run, or you're in some sort of other club, even if it's not directly related to what you're you're doing, but your mind is on something else, that helps give you that break between work and reality. I don't think necessarily there's something well there's anything wrong with having law on your mind all the time because <laughs> <laughs> she said yeah, yeah but um as long as it's like healthy-ish thoughts i don't know if that makes sense yeah, but i mean it's not just a job is it it's like if you're a lawyer it's a real passion and your your heart is in it so i think as long as we go back to being organized you are organized and you're keeping on kind of like on on top of everything and in a good position to organize your run if you want to go for a run think yeah. oh i'm going to do this on a monday morning or a thursday afternoon and keep things in a kind of check schedule yeah. and keep to that i think that would be a, a good way of making sure you're keeping up with that to keep that kind of balance but again it's it's going back to being organized and yeah. and making sure and, you, and i mean i think you'll you're you'll not probably, over place. yeah yeah you'll, you'll probably find as well that you're your bosses are going to be open to to being a bit flexible. If you say, for example, this came up in in my team this week. Uh, one of the people in the team has recently joined a running club that starts a little bit earlier than she would normally finish. She said, yeah. "Do you mind if I start a bit earlier and leave a bit earlier? I want to want to try and hit this running club. No problem. Oh, it's good. it's very if it can be flexible and you can work your own interests around mm. what what you're doing, making it known that this on this day on a Monday I need to leave it." quarter to five instead of five or whatever because i i have to go do this people are are not usually going to say no to something like that yeah. because it seems it's reasonable yeah. you want to be flexible you want to keep your team happy you want people to be feeling good uh, so i mean they if there is stuff like that that you need a bit of special sort of uh, accommodation for mm. i think don't be afraid to ask either yeah good advice 
Well, I think that's um, covered pretty much everything, I think. <laughs> Is there, do you have any last words of advice to give to someone who might be thinking about pursuing a, a legal career that might be coming from a different... Don't say don't do it because I've I've asked people. <laughs> I've that's asked people that's the easy like, answer. Just right? don't do law. Yeah. Like, yeah, do that's not the answer else. we're looking for here. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So, so keep it positive. So okay. Yeah. I suppose if you're if you're coming at it uh, with any any sort of hesitation or or trepidation, you want to be you want to be confident that it's for you before you get stuck in, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that it's going to be tricky to say the least it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of time and you're going to spend a lot of money doing it you need to actually want it so it's not an easy sort of fallback if you you know couldn't couldn't do something else so having all of that in mind and knowing that if you stick to it you can end up with a very very rewarding career yeah i think that's that's all good stuff to have on your mind if you're going in going with your eyes open yeah i went to a legal cheek a career changer seminar actually because uh, when was it last year and and something that someone said to me was really sticks in my mind it's not something that you can just decide to do and then do it next year it takes about five years because yeah. if you're thinking about doing GDL and then you think about doing the LPC and then you do your training contract and then you might have like one year in between where yeah. where something doesn't quite go to plan then it's genuinely going to be about five years but yeah. The, the quickest the you can do it is four years. Yeah, the so quickest, it's, and, that's if, and that's if every single thing goes to plan. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know, apparently it happens for some lucky people, but <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't fall into that category. Exactly. So yeah, yeah five, five years sounds like a long time. It's not. It is no, a long time. It's, Come it's, on. It's, <laughs> but it's good. It's good because yeah, while you're doing it, you're learning, it. and yeah, you know, exactly. it's keeping you interested. And as you say, if you want to do it, you're going to do it. Absolutely. So I think, uh, I think as well, if you're coming at it with experience in something else mm-hmm. bearing in mind that the sort of average age for a newly qualified solicitor in england and wales is about 30 now yeah so a lot of people are not coming straight out of undergraduate law doing an lpc getting a training contract and being qualified by you know early to mid 20s there's uh, there's a lot more experience of, of other things going on when you're applying uh, so just bearing in mind you're not going to be standing out if you've done something else, if you're a little bit slower picking up a training contract mm-hmm. because you've done other things or whatever. All of that is, is worth bearing in mind. Uh, and you're not, you're not going to be over the hill if it takes you a few years to do it. Yeah. I mean, Matthew, I'm not sure how old you are, but Camilla and I, we would be over 30 by the time we secured a training contract. Yeah. If- well, I don't think that's. I don't think it's that unusual. No, it's not. Case, is it? No, so it's it's not nothing to be uh, put off put by. Off yeah, by. yeah. I was thirty-one when I qualified. Yeah, uh, so just slightly older than uh, <laughs> than the average, but that was okay. Exactly. <laughs> but you had all that experience under your belt. Well, if nothing else, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, well, thank you so much. Yeah, for, thank um, you. Joining us on the Student Lawyer Podcast. And keeping it real. It was great to be here. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Woo! <laughs> for more student lawyer information, commercial awareness quizzes, and interviews, head over to thestudentlawyer.com.
If you're a student lawyer who is interested in becoming part of the team, email us at hello at studentlawyer.com.